Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So we're going to start on Luke chapter 3, verse 21. John the Baptist is baptizing, and it says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Now it's very interesting to me, and I'm going to come back to this in a few moments, that Luke's record of this just sticks in Jesus' genealogy here. It's like, I know all these years, I've just, and of course, I know none of you guys do this, but I've just kind of skimmed over it real fast, right? Because we have the baptism of Jesus, and then we go into the temptation of Jesus, and sandwiched right here in the middle is this genealogy. It's like, what is this about? Well, I never realized what it was there for until this last couple of weeks, thinking about today's message. So now let's jump to Luke chapter 4, verse 1, for now. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Spirit's leading Jesus into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If, okay, notice the challenge, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you. And that, in essence, is also challenging Jesus' identity. Because really, Jesus is the king, right? But the devil is saying, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he, the devil, brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now the devil quotes the scripture. You guys see that? The devil will throw the scriptures at you. You need to be aware of that reality. The devil said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's quoting from Psalm 91. The devil. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The devil had ended the temptation. He departed from him until an opportune time. Now look at verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Jump down to verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus. He's gone into the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth. 
He takes the scroll, he opens it to Isaiah, and he says, he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, he gave it back, he sat down and he said, today this is fulfilled. Amen. So, the temptation of Christ. Father, I pray you'd help us today. I believe there's something you want to say to us in this room. I believe there's things you want to do in our lives. There's growth and change and transformation that you want to um, cause to take place in all of our hearts, every single person in this room. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what I notice from this passage of Scripture is that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is filled with the Spirit. Let's back up to Luke chapter 3. Jesus gets baptized. He looks up and he sees the Holy Spirit visibly descending on him in the shape of a dove. He hears this voice booming out. You're my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Right? And then chapter 4, verse 1, he returns from the Jordan. The Jordan was kind of ways off. I think we always think of it like right there next to town. It's way out in the wilderness. And so he returns filled with the Spirit. That's Luke chapter 4, verse 1. But I want you to notice the contrast. It's not until Luke 4, verse 14 that we see Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit. I want you to get this contrast. If you don't get this, you're sunk. All right, so get this. Chapter 4, verse 1, he's filled. He's seen the Spirit come in visible form. He's heard the voice of the Father. And Luke 4, 1 says he's filled with the Spirit. But it's not until verse 14 that he comes in the power of the Spirit. And what happened in between was the wilderness. You see that? I mean, you already got it, right? You already got it. So we can be saved and filled with the Spirit, but until we navigate and overcome the opposition of the devil in our wildernesses, we never function in the power of the Spirit. Wow. So that just kind of like, I have to wrestle with that. Wow. So I'm filled, but until I navigate this wilderness successfully, by the way, then I'm never actually in the power of the Spirit. So let me hit pause, I don't know how, one of these days I am going to hand out my notes, I promise, but anyhow, I don't know how to put this in my notes, so this is just kind of pause. It's so critical, I think, for us to understand this, that if, if it's so, in fact, if we don't, we'll miss it, because we could think of this as a great story about Jesus, and wow, well, there's some good lessons to learn from it, but not really make it applicable to our own lives. But the truth of the matter is, you and I are called to be Christ-like. And so that being Christ-like 
obviously involves character, right? We're people of character, and we have Christ-like character. And even our personalities are shaped and molded by the Christ-likeness within us, right? But can I take it one step further than that? We can't, uh, well, I don't want to be too harsh with it, but how can we say we're Christ-like if we don't do the ministry that Christ did? Right? So we have Christ's character. Okay, that's Christ-like. But we also, to be truly Christ-like, are doing the ministry of Christ, right? Because he said, what I have been called to do, I'm sending you to do and even greater. Y'all with me? No, you're not. And here's how I know you're not. Here's how I know you're not. That is hard for our minds to grasp. We can hear it, but to really internalize that Think, wow, I'm supposed to walk out of these doors and live like Christ and do the ministry that Christ did. We can hear it here, but for that to become reality in our hearts is a whole huge other step. And I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I've started a new habit. Um, I actually did this years ago, but, it, but it's taken on, a new, taken on a new meaning for me now. I've actually do it differently than I started off doing it. I carry a penny in my pocket. Just so, I do it so I'm never totally broke. No, not really. <laughs> so I, I, and I started years ago, and I won't tell the story, but I started, I did, every time I see a penny, I get it. And I've gotten pennies from some pretty terrible places. But, uh, but I get it. If I see it, I get it. And uh, Ryan's laughing. But, um, the, um, but what I do with this penny is I ask God, make me aware. What I, the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, why do you always see those pennies? I, you know, I got started, but and I'm always aware. I see pennies where nobody else sees them. And I feel like the Lord has told me that I need to be that aware of the people around me. I need to see just... Where nobody else sees it, all of a sudden I see a broken heart, a wounded soul, someone who needs touch with the power of God. Then I can be that vessel that touches them. And so we have to get that frame of mind if we're going to really get any, any meat from this passage of Scripture. So what Jesus went through, he was filled until he, when he navigated this opposition of the devil successfully, then he came in the power. And you and I, we want to navigate that so we can minister in the power of God. Every single one of us, every single one of us have those moments, those, those instances of time where that person is right there and God can touch them through us. Amen? You see that? So Jesus was filled with the Spirit. So I have several premises I want to get across today. Premise number one is that we have to navigate the wilderness successfully if we're going to come out in the power of the Lord. The next thing I want us to recognize, and the premise number two was, is that we are to be doing the same things that Jesus did. And it only happens if we navigate the wilderness. The third thing I want to get across is this, and this is also extremely critical. We have to understand that Jesus was a man. 
I know Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. Everybody know that, okay, that I am theologically correct. I believe that Jesus was God. He is God. I believe it. Everybody with me? All right. But, he, but in verse 14 of that same chapter, John 1, it says, and the Word became what? Flesh. And again, we know that in our heads, but it's hard for us to really get our minds around the fact that Jesus was a human. He was fully God. Philippians 2 says, though, that he emptied himself of his divine privileges. He never quit being God. And that's what theologians wrestle with. I mean, oh, man, it just gives you a headache trying to get your minds around that. But he, he was fully God, but he emptied himself of that divine privilege and he functioned as a man. Y'all with me on that? We've got to see that if we're, we're going to get any benefit from this passage. And so, now that gets us to the passage. That's the introduction. So now it gets us to the passage. <laughs> the so here's Jesus. He's filled with the Spirit. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Matthew's Gospel says he led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the Holy Spirit set this up. Mark's gospel actually uses a whole different Greek word, and in Mark's gospel, it literally says, if you read the literal translation, that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit's setting this up for Jesus to navigate this and face this opposition and face this temptation so that he can win and come back in the power of the Spirit. And so, Jesus is human. Remember that. Forty days are up. And where do we find Jesus? We find him hungry. Right? We find, he's been in the wilderness for 40 days. I don't think there are any showers out there. Right? Now, he might have found a creek here and there to bathe his face, but he's been 40 days without a real bath. He's hot. He, my wife's been to Israel. I haven't. And it's like 120 degrees sometimes. It's, you know, he's hot. He's sweaty. He was, I guarantee you, tired. The human physical Jesus was tired. And this is important. He, I guarantee you, was weak. I've never fasted 40 days. I don't ever intend to. If the Lord, call, the, the Lord calls me to... I will. And in fact, I just think that to do 40 days, you need to be called to do it. That's my opinion, for, for what it's worth. But, um, but I have fasted. And, and it, you feel weak. And now listen to me, and I hope I don't rattle our cage too much, but he wasn't only weak physically, but when you've gone that long without food, you've been in the desert, you've been sleeping with a rock for your pillow, you haven't had a bath. He was weak emotionally. And I would dare say that even spiritually, he probably felt drained. But he was God, Pastor. I know, but he was a man too. And so Jesus was weakened. And then the devil attacked him. 
Rewind 40 days. Rewind 40 days. Baptized. The Spirit comes down in the vis- visible form of a dove. A voice booms out, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Can you imagine the devil saying at that moment, if you're the son of God? I was like, what? Didn't you just see? Didn't you just hear? <laughs> Dude, you know, of course I am. But now we fast forward 40 days. We're hot. We're tired. We're hungry. We're weak. We're drained. And now the devil comes and says, if you're the son of God. See that? And so that's what happens in the wilderness, is that when we're in those conditions, the devil comes and he attacks us. And how did he attack Jesus? This is a little mind-boggling to me, but he attacked Jesus at, at the point of his identity. Really, and I don't want to make it oversimplified, but it seems to me that most temptation comes in one of two forms, and there's probably other forms as well, but these two stand out in my mind. One, Pastor Pete preached on it, the very first message of this series is in James chapter 1. He comes at us attacking our faith. He wants wants you to give up on your faith. But he also knows this. Most of us in this room, now there may be some that aren't as grounded as you, but most people aren't going to just rise up one day and shake their fist in, in, in the heavens and say, I do not believe in God and walk away. Most people aren't going to do that. But if the devil can get you to doubt yourself, he's just as effective. He's just as effective. So he comes at us attacking who we are. If you are the son of God, if you are a child of God, then what about this? What about that? And he pulls away at our identity. I've I've been a pastor for a very long time. And, And... probably the greatest challenge that I've seen people face is that challenge of identity. Never feeling really, they know they're saved, they think they're saved, but, they're, but just never confident. Never feeling really worthy, always feeling a little bit less than, and just struggling. I've never, I've, that's the biggest struggle I've seen as a pastor over my 40-something years of ministry. The devil will do everything he can to tear at your identity. Now, we're going to talk about how to resist that in a minute. But, but we, we need to know that's where he's, he's going to attack you with your faith, to give up on who God is. That goes back to the garden. Did God really say... So he attacks you at the point of faith in God's word, then he attacks you at the point of who you are. And he'll use everything he can to do it. One of the things would be comparisons. I'll tell you a funny story. Maybe I shouldn't tell it. but um, <laughs> So like, I love to ride, I love to cycle. So that doesn't mean motorcycle, that means a bicycle, right? So 
I love to ride a bicycle. And so it's just, I don't know why I love it. Sometimes I'm out there just about to die going up a hill. I'll think, I'll think, why do I love this? I don't know, but I do. <laughs> and so I just keep on going, right? So I just love it. So, but I, it's been hard to work it in. I've been so busy and everything. And so the other day I thought, I'd worked all day, and I thought, I'm going to go for a quick little 10-mile ride. Not far, but at least I can get out there and just go, right? So I thought, so I'll go 10-mile ride, so that's a little shorty. So I'll go as fast as I can the whole way, right? I'll just go hard, hard, hard. I won't pace myself. So I'm out there, I'm riding, and so I'm on the way back. And I was thinking, God, I'm just killing it. <laughs> I was like, man, I am just killing it. I really was thinking that. I know you think I'm making that up, but I actually was. I was just like, wow, I'm just killing it. And I was just feeling so good. And I was pumping. And I was looking at my calves. Look at those things. <laughs> I'm just killing it, right? <laughs> Did you... Can you recover? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And then, and then this guy pulls up beside me. Hey, how's it going? Oh, great. We chat for a few minutes. <laughs> he had one of those little blinking lights on the back, and I watched as that little blinking light faded <laughs> into the sunset. I mean, like, who am I? I'm this old guy on a bike. <laughs> right? Really. I mean, just, and I know it's funny, but it just bothered. You asked my wife, I came home. It just I tell you, I got passed by a girl one time. That's really bad. But, <laughs> but, but uh, it just bothered me. I, you know, I thought I was killing it. So the devil will use anything he can, something as stupid as that to tear away at your point of identity. So let's go back, and I have no idea where I am on the notes, and that doesn't matter too much, but, but um, <clears throat> I want to look at what Jesus did. It's amazing to me. In fact, a lot of times when you read when Jesus gets challenged or questioned, he never really answers the question. Have y'all noticed that before? It's like he just comes out with something totally different. And so... He never, he never really answers the question. If you're the son of God, turn this bread into stone. Jesus doesn't defend his identity. That's amazing to me. He doesn't say, oh, but I really am the son of God. Yeah. Don't you know? I, I was born of a virgin, conceived by the spirit. Don't you know that? He, doesn't, he never even addresses it. And this is where the genealogy comes in. It hit me the other day. I was skipping it. I was reading chapter 3, verses 21, 22. Then I was skipping to chapter 4, verse 1. And I kind of felt nudged. And I looked at that, <clears throat> and it hit me. I, and I really actually meant to bring a birth certificate with me today. In fact, I found out from my birth certificate that my name isn't what I thought it was for 60 years. Um, I always thought my name was Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. That's what my mom thought she named me, but on my birth certificate is S-T-E-V-E-N, right? And I, it's very discouraging. I like being P-H, but anyhow, so... <clears throat> 
And, and really, I found out because I applied for a new job, and I got the job, praise the Lord. Thank for those who prayed for me. And, um, and I, yeah, thanks. But they called me in, and they were having a hard time hiring me because the name I put down didn't match the name on my birth certificate. I, oh, okay, I didn't know that. So she's, I said, I said my, my driver's license is PH. She said, oh, really? I pulled it out. It's V. I said, well, my passport's PH. I got, she said, okay, we'll go check. I went home and checked. It's V. So, so I got my birth certificate. Sure enough, it's V. Anyhow, the point is that that's the genealogy. I can prove to you who I don't have. I don't have to prove it. There's a birth certificate at home in my file that says I was born. And I'm Stephen V. Bontrager. <laughs> Bontrager. That's who I am. And my parents are Orville and Annette Bontrager. That's, that's who my parents are. And you could come up and tell me, well, now I did kind of tell that lady. She said I wasn't V, but I had to, I, so I was wrong. But, 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 <laughs> but if you challenge me, with, you're, you're not Stephen Bontrager. I'm not even going to, what? I have a verse of it at home that says I am. Jesus had a genealogy. <laughs> he knew who he was. He knew who he was. You have a birth certificate. It, I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Sign the deed. That's my kid right there. That's my son. My daughter. You don't have to do anything else. So 64 years ago, you know, in hospital in Panama City, Florida, I mean, I didn't do anything except scream and cry and, you know, other things that babies do. But I, <laughs> that's all I did. There was nothing I did to earn the right to be Stephen Bontrager. That's, I just was born. And they signed that. And that's what happened to you. And, and I, oh, I just get so, oh, I, just, I just can't stand it when I see people wrestling with feeling like I don't really belong. I don't really fit. I'm not really worthy. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm even saved. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And don't even fuss it. Don't even, don't even argue with the devil about it. Amen. We, shouldn't even, we shouldn't even argue with the devil about that. It is settled. It is a done deal. Right? Amen. You are the Lord's. But yeah, but Pastor, you don't know how I feel. I don't really care. It's, the, the paper is there. I mean, well, I didn't, I didn't mean I don't care, but... What I, what I meant was, well, it, does, it doesn't matter because in your drawer at home, there's a birth certificate that says, this is who you are. Amen. This is who you are. Jesus never even argued the point. He never even argued the point. Quit arguing the point. You are who you are because God made you that. Amen. You have a genealogy that says it. Now, I want to say two more things quickly. Then we're going to have some prayer time. But 
The two of the things that Jesus did to fight this battle, number one, he didn't do anything. <laughs> he just ignored the question. So prescription, number one, ignore the question. <laughs> I'm serious. Ignore the question. Second thing was he listened to the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I know that? Well, I can't prove it 100%, but he was filled with the Spirit. He did return in the power of the Spirit. And we know what God does for us. In, 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 the, in John chapter 16, he's witnessing to us. Uh, he's convicting us of our own righteousness. He's convicting us that the devil's been judged, Right? In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, he is testifying to us that we've been adopted as God's children. Right? So he listened to the Holy Spirit. This is where it's so critical. So stay with me. I'm sorry if I got kind of silly there. But in the wilderness, it's so critical that we learn to cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And here's what, see, back here at the baptism, man, Holy Spirit's coming down, visible, present. Oh, awesome. Voices booming. My beloved son. Oh, awesome. Okay? It's not hard then, right? But now we're in the wilderness. Now we're in the wilderness. We're hot, we're tired, we're hungry. We're probably dirty. You know, we're feeling weak. We can still cultivate because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. And that's where it's so important and I, that we learn to pray in the Spirit. Regularly, often, all the time, in fact. Just praying in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's doing something inside of us. He's building us up. He's strengthening us. He's talking to us. He's reminding us of who we really are. Praying in the Spirit. I bet you I pray in tongues more than I pray. It's just constant. But you just don't know it. You don't hear it. I'm driving down the road. Yeah, you just, because it's just, I need, I mean, I die without the Spirit. And maybe you guys are stronger than me, but I, I die without His strength in my life. I'm praying in the Spirit. And we learned to listen. So he listened, I believe, to the Spirit. And thirdly, he used the Word of God as an offensive weapon. He didn't, he didn't use it to defend himself. <laughs> I just can't get away from the fact that not one single time did he defend his identity as the Son of God. Not once did he do that. Well, this is what the Word of God says, I'm the Son of God. No, it doesn't say that. He actually used the word to attack the devil at another point. <laughs> Isn't that fun? He attacked the devil at a whole other point. And we need to learn to do that. This is what the word of God says. And maybe completely off the subject of what you're feeling tempted about. What? And then you just blast away with the word of God and you speak the word of God about life, about God, about people, about whatever. You just speak the word of God. doesn't matter what it's about. Just speak it. 
I, I'm serious. I, I really am serious. I'm serious. <laughs> it's blasting out the word of God. And that's going to give you victory in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're really being tempted, let's say finances are tough and you're feeling defeated and all that, that doesn't mean that you can't quote Philippians 4, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. But, but you might just want to quote something about how great God is. Right? Or just quote something about the power of the word or something that just glorifies God. But you can quote specific verses too, but, but just learn to speak the word of God. Now, one thing about that is, everybody with me, I'm winding it up. Aren't you thrilled? So the, the um, one thing about that is, and I, I need to be careful. I don't want to seem insulting, but, but you can't quote the word if you don't know it. Come on. <laughs> can't quote it if you don't know it. I've been in battles in my life, and we, you know, I know everything just looks rosy for us, but we've been through a few battles in our life, too. And, um, and, I, and I've just, there have been times I've just thought, God, how do people survive that don't have your word? And the answer I hear is, they don't. They don't. God, have the word. So, I don't mean to be condemning, but I, and I don't want it to be condemning. I want it to be um, uh, motivational to get into the scriptures. This, if you're not in the Bible regularly, get in the Bible regularly. You know, where do I start, Pastor? Well, you know, just start. But I would say probably start like the book of John. If you're not in the Bible regularly, read the book of John over and over and over until you just fall in love with Jesus and you see who he is, and you feel the power of his word, and then move to a new book, you know, and just read that book for a while. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. And so what happens is what you want to have happen when, when pressure pushes you, you want scripture to ooze out, <laughs> right? That's what you want to have happen. And so, number one, ignore the question. You are God's child. Forget it. Forget it, just ignore the question. <clears throat> number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. And number three, attack with the word. Attack with the word. And, and when we do that, we're not only saved and full of the Spirit, we come out over here in the power of the Spirit, right? And that's, that was the point of the message, right? So the whole point of the message was, we want to be able to navigate this and come out over here that we now have the power of the Spirit for our character and for ministry, right? And, we've, and that's the pressure that we've, that's produced growth. What I want to do, um, we, uh, we always end with um, people at the front to pray for you, altar ministry. Um, 20 years ago, not quite 20, 18, 19 years ago, I had a friend of mine at another church was shocked to find, I was, of course, not here then. I was pastoring my own church at the time. 
but he was shocked to find out that we actually still had people come forward for prayer. Yeah, you still do that? He couldn't believe it. <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, well, of course we do. And here's what I believe. Here's what, and I'd like to get done a little early so you don't feel pressured, but just pretend like it's 11.15. So <clears throat> the, uh, here's what I believe with all my heart that, that we need to come before God in worship and absolutely abandon ourselves to him in worship because he deserves that. Right. Of course, the secret is he set that up because he knows he can pour back into us during that time. So he's kind of tricky like that. But, um, but then secondly, we need to hear from the word of God. We need to hear something from his word. But thirdly, I believe we need to, in some form or fashion, just take a moment and respond to what God has said to us. And that's the place of the altar. Now, you can do that sitting where you are. You can have someone join you in prayer where you are. You, how, but, but sometimes we need someone. That would have been a great time for our altar team to start forward when I was saying all that. So let's <laughs> altar team start forward, right? <clears throat> um, <laughs> so um, we're, what I want to encourage you to do um, is every single person in this room, in fact, in fact, let me say it this way. Every single person in this room is right now in the middle of some kind of wilderness experience. Every single person. For some, it's very intense and very extreme. For others, it's not that big a deal, but you're just really needing to get through it, right? You need to navigate this well. And so I'm going to, in fact, can I get a couple more team? Ben, would you come? A couple more maybe come up and join us today. Extra, is that okay, Pam? Because yeah. what I would like to have us do, and I'm going to ask the team, of course, if God gives you a word and you spend a lot of time with people, that's okay, but I just want you to try to, let's just let's agree with people, because I'm, I'm going to ask every single person, not, you don't have to come, but I'm going to ask you to come. Just come and let these people agree with you in prayer. They're going through their wildernesses, but they're going to agree with you in prayer that God is going to help you this time navigate your wilderness successfully. Because here's what happens to us. Why is Christ's likeness missing? To whatever degree it's missing, why is it missing? And the reason it's missing is because you still haven't navigated that wilderness successfully. Now this is opinion here, so you take it for that, okay? Because I'm not going to say this is the word of God. This is opinion. My opinion is that, yeah. Yeah, you want to come and play something? <laughs> so my opinion is that I actually wanted to have that song again. Um, yes, whatever you call it, crushing. My opinion is this. Y'all with me? Distraction. I don't want the distraction to mess us up. My opinion is this, that when we get through a struggle and we don't handle it well, that we recycle. Because God, God, remember, God, every good gift comes from God. And the good gift is he wants us to come out the other side whole and complete and empowered.
don't get that, then for our sake, not because he's mad at us, you dirty, I'm going to make, no, because he loves us and he wants for us to win, so he recycles us. Now, that's an opinion. I, like I said, I just my, that's how I see it. So probably for some of us, we just haven't navigated our wildernesses very well, and we're wondering why we're back where we started. So I'm praying. I mean, I know it's a huge prayer, but I'm praying that this day, today, will be the snapping point for people in this room. You say, oh, okay, now I see it. Now I see it. And you'll, you'll be able to, number one, here's my greatest prayer, that you can learn to ignore the question. It, that, it's an irrelevant question. Do you have a birth certificate? Okay? You can listen to the Spirit, you can attack with the Word of God, and you can win. Let's all stand together. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you, and have a great rest of the week.